You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Okay, James chapter 4. I ask you a special prayer request uh, as you think about the construction that we're doing. You can go back in Memories Lane when you were uh, doing construction here and building the building. Uh, pray that uh, not get sidetracked. You know, it's so easily you get busy doing something like that there, try to build a building, stuff like that there, you can get sidetracked and forget what it's all about. Now, though we're trying to uh, construct a church building, something far greater and that, and that is, as Matthew said, building lives. Pray that we stay on track and do not get sidetracked with uh, the building because that's uh, something important. We need that, but uh, more important than that is uh, stay what we're there for, okay? And if you would keep that in mind, please. Okay, James chapter 4. Follow along as we read this chapter, and, and as you notice what's going on here, James, a very practical book, uh, you might say it's uh, everyday Christian living. James, more than speaking to us about doctrine, uh, he speaks more to us about how do we live that doctrine, how do we live that which we believe, the practical everyday living of Christian living. This is uh, what James is speaking to us about, the practical aspect of, of living our faith. And in this chapter here, in James chapter 4, James speaks to you and me about the victory of overcoming the struggle that within to put Christ first in our life. There's an inner turmoil that's going on. There's a battle going on in our lives. And James speaks to us about how to have victory and how to overcome that by being able to put Christ first in our life. Because so many times we get self-centered in all this here. And James speaking to us, and tonight I'd like to share with you these thoughts about overcoming the victory of putting Christ first in our life, making him first. James speaks to you and me in chapter 4, verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it, Upon your lust, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother... 
and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us tonight. I pray that you'd help me. Pray that you'd move far from my thoughts that which would be of no value, be of hindrance, and get in the way. Call back to my mind that which would be of usefulness and that which would be of help and a blessing. Pray for that one that is serving you, that you'd help them to keep on keeping on. There'd be someone here that's not fully surrendered, that tonight victory would come. Pray for any that would be here that would be unsaved, that tonight they'd give themselves unto you. Claim your promise that if we lift you high and mighty that you'll draw them in unto yourself. We'll give you the praise and honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm here on the recruiting campaign. Is ready? All right. I'll start all over now. Well, you know, I was so insecure as it was. Now let me get that out of the way. I heard about this guy's here Sunday night, and now I'm thinking now I'm following him up. And so I'm all nervous and everything, distracting everything. So now that I've got that out and admitted it, now I'm ready to go. James is speaking to us about the battle that goes on within. And as I said, I'm on a recruiting campaign. Far greater need than money over there is people. What did the Lord Jesus ask us to pray about? More laborers. I don't know about you, but I find that really something that the Lord of the harvest is asking you and me to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers. Well, it's obviously not the need for the Lord to call because he's calling. The need is for those to answer. And so I'm on a recruiting campaign I'm trying to get some of your members tonight, Brother Phil. I want some of them to go to Ecuador. But I'd rather the Lord wants you to go. And so we're going to leave it at that. And that the Lord will speak to your heart. And James is speaking to you and me about the battle that goes on. And this battle is not some battle of 
of weaponry and armament and something of that nature. My son, well, our son, is over in, in uh, Washington State in Fort Lewis, preparing to, to be used if uh, need to go to Korea. Their base is, is specifically geared to take care of that part of the world, Korea. And so they're there, soldiers, ready to fight a battle, a warfare-type battle. But you and I have a battle that's going on within. And note here what James says to you and me in chapter 4. He asks a question. It's kind of like a rhetorical question. I mean, he knows the answer, and you and I know the answer. And he asks us in verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? He's saying, not a battle between you and me, something like that there, not a church split, something that thing's going on. There's a battle that you and I have daily. That's the reason that Paul talked to you and me about crucifying ourselves daily. Because that battle to, to put ourselves on the throne, rather than to let the Lord Jesus live in and through us, to be crucified that he might live. And so he's speaking to us about that battle. And he tells us what the problem is, what's causing this warfare. And he says to you and me in verse 2, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. So he's speaking about this battle that's going on, the lusts that are going on there. We want this, we want that. And he speaks to us about that unsettledness that's going on. And you and I have a, a battle that goes on of, of restlessness, the inner turmoil that's going on and fighting in within us of whether to put Christ on the throne or rather be self-centered and, and have what we want and things of that nature. He speaks about the the wrong priorities. He says, you lust and have not. You kill and desire. You fight. He says that the reason we don't have is because we don't ask. And then the reason we don't have is because we ask amiss. We're wanting something that's for us. The wrong priorities. He speaks to us about wanting to have it both ways. Whose friend are we? Are we the friend of the Lord or the friend of this world? Note there, he says... In verse 4, Ye adulterers and adulteress, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We want to have it both ways. We want to straddle the fence. And he's simply saying to us that, no, we can't have it both ways. If we're going to be the friend of the world, we're the enemy of God. There's no other way to cut it. He says, if Want to straddle the fence? No. We've got to make a clear-cut stand. And that inner turmoil that goes on there. And he says, you know, it's, it's not unusual. It's normal. He asks, does the Scripture say in vain? Look there in verse 5. He said, it's not, it's not something that's not abnormal. It's a normal thing that's going on in our lives. Not that it's normal, but it's something that it goes on. He says in verse 5, do you think that the Scripture saith in vain? The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth in me. So here, there's that battle that's going on. It's something he's saying to us. He's averting us and saying, look, be on guard. It's something that you've got to confront. We've got to confront it. It's not abnormal that we want this, we want that. I mean, I know you don't have any little children that when you go to the store, they want this, this, and that. No. And it's not something that we want to have it both ways. We want to have what the world has and want to have what the Lord wants. And that struggle goes on until we 
crucify ourselves daily and let the Lord live and reign in and of us. And he says the key to that, the key to that is found here in the grace of God. Note there as he speaks to us in verses 6 through 10. But he giveth more grace. He says, after all this inner turmoil that's going on, he's saying, look, God's got some grace for us. God's going to help us get the victory over this. And he says to us, the key to this victory is found in the grace of God. In verse 6 he says, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And then he speaks to us about submitting ourselves to the Lord, drawing nigh unto the Lord, fleeing the devil. And if we do that, the devil finds somebody else to mess with. I remember when I was in the army. I saw my mind because Johnson in the army. I know all the battles he's going on right now. And sharing with him. And, and I'm thankful we, we went over and for Mother's Day went over there. Didn't schedule any services. Went to church with Jonathan. And <clears throat> I'm so proud to see that, that he's living for the Lord. He's helping in the church there and doing that. And he's told about how that one time some guy was wanting him to, because to, he's 24, to go buy some liquor and all this stuff. And he said, no, because if I buy that, they think it's for me. I'm so proud that he's taking a stand for that there. And he got the idea and he, and he figured it out that, you know, if he'll stand true for the Lord and stand strong, the devil looks for somebody else to mess with. You know, if we'll draw nigh to the Lord. And so the grace and Peter tells us about this. He says, look, the Lord will lift us up if we'll lumber ourselves. And the key to this, to victorious living, is the grace of God. Because in and of ourselves, we cannot do it. Well, I mean, I admit it, I can't. And so, there may be somebody that can, but I need the Lord's grace. And so he tells us how to have this victorious living. And he speaks to us about the guidelines for living this life of putting Christ first in our life. And he speaks to us in verse 13, the guidelines that you and I need in being able to do this. He says in verse 13, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there and buy and sell and get gain. There's an inner turmoil that's going on. The key to this victorious living is the grace of God. And he says to you and me, the guidelines for living unto the Lord is first of all, in verse 13, he says, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow. He says, be open to the guideline of God's timeline. When? Remember when you're teaching your children to pick that clothes that they threw down on the floor that they knew mom was going to come by and, and wash them eventually and then they get hung back up and finally mom gets tired of it and says now now clean it up and then after saying it for several days she comes back in there and and that young teenager says well when and she says now go to now and we need to be open to the lord's timeline go to now don't put it off today is the day of salvation and so he says the guidelines for living unto the Lord is, first of all, be open to the Lord's timeline, and then be open to the Lord's guideline. He says to you and me in verse 13, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city. You go into such a city. 
You got all that stuff that comes on the internet, right? I mean, they'll tell you the, the, the 10 best cities to live in. I mean, Chamber of Commerce has got it down. I mean, their, their city is the best city. But then you check the other cities, and there's the best city. But now I did read one that said the 10 worst countries to live in. I wanted to make sure I wasn't living in that worst country to make sure if the Lord needed to change me from Ecuador to another one. <laughs> no. I'm where the Lord wants me to be, so I know I'm in the perfect place, the center of his Lord. And so it's like someone said, he that walks with the Lord will arrive at the right destination. And if we're in the Lord's place, we'll be there. If we're open to the Lord's timeline, if we're open to the Lord's leading, then we'll be where the Lord wants us to be. And then if we'll be open to the Lord's plan and purpose for our life. Now, what did he say there? Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we're going to such a city, and continue there. And what are we going? Buy and sell and get gain. What's your plan and purpose for life? More so, what is God's plan and purpose for my life? As, well, we see all these billboards all over the country. And they got a theme on one of them that I really like. <clears throat> it's pass it on. If you do any traveling and you go to different cities. Uh, who's the fellow that's from uh, Missouri? You here? You still here? Have you seen that, that sign, that particular billboard? It, go, uh, it talks about pass it on. There's a whole bunch of different things. It'd be like pass it on. There's one that says civility. It's in us. Well, they got a whole bunch of different ones. I read, uh, saw one and had this uh, space uh, lady, uh, uh, space astronaut. Thanks, Charlotte. Space astronaut. And it said on there, to her, it is rocket science. I saw that, and, and boy, the devil just whispered in my ear, have you really accomplished what the Lord wants you to accomplish? Are you really where you are? I mean, I had to shut that off real quick. Because, you know, you see all these different things, and you think, well, I'm no rocket science. I've never been out there. But I'm where God wants me. I mean, you know. So anyway, you see all those things. And to try, the world has a message for us. This is what you ought to do. This is what you ought to accomplish. The Lord Jesus has something far greater than that. If we follow his timeline, his leading, his plan and purpose for our life, we'll be doing exactly what God wants us to do and we'll arrive where he wants us to be. And here's what he's talking to you and me about, the purpose for our life and how to get victor over that inner struggle to make sure we're doing what God wants us to do. Because James continues and says to us, we need to really understand what the brevity of life is all about. James is helping us put it into context and how to get victory over the inner struggle to put God first in our life. Because in and of ourselves, we want to be first. In and of ourselves, we want to do what we want to do until we get victory and let the Lord have it and get that victory over the inner struggle. And he's saying to us another thought that we need to understand. We need to flat understand the brevity of life. When it's all said and done, life is very short. Heard about all the young people in here tonight and the different things. Be careful. Here's what happens. We start off thinking like this here. When the Lord speaks to us about doing His will, we're about to finish high school. We're going to go off to college and say, well, Lord, you know, I've got to get off into college now and get that degree and get myself settled. When I get through with that, then I'll be able to do what you want me to do, Lord. Then we get out of college and get that degree and all that. We're all set for our job. And then we say, well, Lord, now, you know, I'm just getting settled into this job, and I'm just now getting there, and, you know, it's a little bit iffy. Let me get settled in, and then, Lord, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. 
And then they said, well, Lord, now you know I'm about to get married. Now, as soon as I get this all settled in and, and everything, then I'll be okay, and then I'll do what you want me to do, Lord. And then we started having those children, and they said, Lord, now you know I've got these children. I've got to get them raised. And then we get them all raised, and we think, Lord, now you know I'm on my last bit effort to get all that for retirement, and I've got to pay the college and everything. Now, as soon as I get through with that retirement and all that there and, and get settled and, and, and retired, then I'll be able to do it. And, Lord, now you know I'm going to. And then what's happened? Our life's over with. We ought to understand the brevity of life. Make sure that we don't lose our life trying to find our life. James is saying to us, it's a very short thing. It's like a vapor. It's going to be over with. He says to you and me in James chapter 4, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanished away. I'm now getting to go with Charlotte as we go to the different churches. For a long time there, she was with the boys and everything when we come back for furlough. And it seemed like it's just, just then we, we went to Ecuador to go. And then here to think that I got on the blessings back there, a bunch of different blessings. I got a couple things on there. I'll get a point here with my wife's what I'm really trying to do here. We celebrated uh, 25 years last year on the mission field. And then this year, we celebrated 40 years of marriage. And so I'm thinking, where did it all go? I know, I'm not, I've just been out in the sun too long, really. I just asked them to highlight it, but they left it on too long. But, you know, it's a vapor. It's over with. And I'm at that stage now where I'm thinking about, you know, the end run. Make sure I finish good. That's what it's all about. And James is saying to you and me, the emptiness of accomplishing everything in life but God's will for our life. He says to you and me, we just need to make a decision and a commitment. Verse 15, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. When it all comes down to it, when it's all said and done, it's just making a decision. We We can sum it up any way we want to. We can paint any color we want to. But when it really comes down to it, it really comes down to saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. There's no other way around it. And there'll be no real peace and contentment and joy and fulfillment of life until we're really doing what the Lord wants us to do. Because he's saying to you and me, the emptiness of a life, of accomplishing everything under the sun, but God's plan and purpose for our life, he's telling us what the emptiness of that is. Because he says in verse 16, But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. We can accomplish all the things that this world would say is a great success. But if it's not centered around God's will for our life, it's evil boasting. It's like, so what? You ever had anybody, you, you tell them all this, and they were so disinterested, and you felt like they were saying to you, so what? <laughs> I know you've never been there. But James is saying to us, so what? You did this, this, and this? God's going to say, so what? But don't you want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I tell you, that's what we need to be looking forward to. Because if we know what we should be doing and we don't do it, it's a pretty bad thing. It's a big error. 
It's a big mistake. It's really bad. No, it's far worse than that. Because James says, under the inspiration of God, in verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, it's S-I-N, and I'm in the middle of it. And I'm a heartbroken person knowing that I've not done God's will because I'm just in sin. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.